This is day 15,070. Just yesterday, we were having an amazing discussion with the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and we had remarks from the President of the United States, Joe Biden, on the impact of the Latino community in America today. This is day two of our discussion on that very topic, and today we will have both Vice President Kamala Harris weighing in with her remarks on the matter, and we will also have Secretary Yellen weighing in with her remarks on the matter. We're excited beyond belief to be streaming on six different platforms at the very same time, to be with you again on this podcast, and to be, as always, recording live on Clubhouse and having a discussion about the things that make our days matter. Every day must count. The average lifespan of a human being is 28,000 days, and so this discussion is part of making that day count. Today, we have an amazing set of just people, individuals from our community that have been working day in and day out to provide resources and tools for us to be able to come back from these pandemic times. And the reality is we're all looking for it. We're all looking to figure out how do I build that dream? How do I make this a reality? How do I make the next act be even better than the one prior to this pandemic. And we've been having all sorts of people weigh in on it. Today is going to be no different. And I'm thrilled to have the panel that we have today, as well as an amazing set of co-moderators that are influencers in their own right on various social media platforms to weigh in and have a conversation. And the conversation, well, guess what? You can get involved in it. If you're watching us on other platforms, you can text or guess what? Ask any of us to come over to Clubhouse. We'll send you an invite and you can be a part of this discussion. You can be a part of the question and answer. We're going to get into nuts and bolts. We're going to get into questions about your story, your business, and we're going to make sure that we leave with resources that we all can use. And that's what we do at the 28,000 day conversation. And so with that, I want to introduce our amazing group, our amazing guests today. First off, I'd like to introduce the Vice President of Government Affairs at the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, C. Leroy Cavazos, a near and dear friend uh, for many, many years. Leroy, you and I used to do this live on AM radio back when it was like talk radio. And we're talking like back in like 2008. And now here we are after an amazing day where you sat down with uh, all sorts of people from uh, President Biden's administration. And you concluded an amazing set of workshops that have put a number of tools available for people uh, from all sorts of walks of life, from all over America, Latino and non-Latino. Tell us a little bit about what happened today and introduce your amazing colleagues from the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Hector, thank you so much. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you on Clubhouse and the rest of our mods. I am honored uh, to be here with my colleagues, Richard Garcia, who's chief of staff at the USHCC, 
Brianna Dimas, who's our vice president of programs and communications uh, at the USHCC as well. We just wrapped up a historic legislative summit during an unprecedented time in America where 4.7 million Hispanic-owned businesses who contribute $800 billion to the American economy each year and who have a customer base of 61 million Latinos living in America. We represent them, we honor them, and we know their sacrifices that they have gone through amid of this pandemic. And this legislative summit was about that, about finding the necessary path forward to revitalize and reestablish our American economy. And we all know and we all understand if you're in this room that the revitalization of America runs through the Latino community. And it is our social, political, and economic responsibility to fledge forward with that path in mind. So the legislative summit included high-level speakers from President Biden's cabinet. We heard today from Vice President Kamala Harris on the American Rescue Plan and the $15 billion that have been set aside to save bars and restaurants across this country. We also heard from Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, one of the four Latinos in the presidential cabinet. Another historic milestone for our community is that we have four Latinos sitting in the presidential cabinet right now. Alejandro Mayorkas discussed the situation on the southern border and what we have to look forward to as far as immigration reform in this country. It is time that our community comes out of the shadows. It is time that we stand in the light and it is time that we claim our economic victory for America because it lies in our community. So with that, I am excited to start this session on Clubhouse. I invite everybody to invite all of the people that you know and all of the small business owners and entrepreneurs who need to be impacted by the evolving mission of your United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Hector, I'm C. Leroy, and I'm done speaking. It was really an amazing, um, amazing event, everyone. I mean, we have had uh, conversations that Thank have been- Thank you so much, Leroy. We really appreciate all the work you've done with the Chamber. Um, my name is Melanie Marie, and I am a local um, Hispanic Chamber Director. And the USHCC has had such a tremendous impact. So we're really excited um, to dive in today and hear some of the remarks, Hector. Truly an amazing uh, set of days that we've been through, everyone. And uh, we want everybody to learn a little bit more about that. And we will be having the remarks from uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, as well as the remarks from Secretary Yellen. And we will be going in depth into the tools and resources available. I want to introduce the rest of the guest panel. Uh, Richard is the Chief of Staff of the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Richard, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about what went down today. I imagine lots of excitement, but also big, big, big level talks and conversations about what's ongoing with our community. Thanks so much, Hector, and you're absolutely right. Uh, we heard today from, again, our nation's leaders at all levels of government, both from the White House and from Congress, about the need to support our Latino business community, especially through avenues like government procurement and, of course, corporate procurement, et cetera, giving 
our Latina and Latino-owned businesses more contracts for uh, access to those opportunities to grow and scale their businesses. The one main thing that I would say that I heard throughout these past 48 hours as part of the legislative summit from all of the leaders is one key phrase that we heard over and over again, it's help is here. Uh, right now, today, uh, President Biden was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I believe, uh, talking about the uh, not only the American Rescue Plan, but about this ambitious infrastructure bill that we know that the administration is pushing. And one of the key things that stuck with me from his remarks this afternoon fall really uh, squarely within the context of all the remarks that our, our nation's leaders shared at our legislative summit. And that's making sure that we, one, revitalize our infrastructure and invest in our country, whether it's 5G, bridges, tunnels, et cetera, roads. But two, as we do that, making sure that we buy American, making sure that at, when we do that, we buy from each of our you know, minority communities, including the Latino business community, who, as we heard from Leroy, are, we're, we together, our Latina Latino community, we're gonna empower our nation's American economic recovery. So to me, this these past 48 hours of the legislative summit didn't mark an end or, or or anything like that, or or a before and after, but rather this is just the beginning of all the work that we have to do collectively as a community to make sure that whether it's at the local, at the state, or at the national level, we're involved from all of our roles, whether we're you know members of a nonprofit or members, uh, you know, chamber leaders like Melanie or you know uh, small entrepreneurs that are just getting started with their businesses. There's a way to get involved and make sure that we drive collectively our American economic recovery. So. It's really exciting to hear everyone uh, sing to the same tune at all levels of government in a bipartisan way as well. We heard from several uh, senators and members of Congress who spoke directly with our chamber leaders throughout today, sending the same message and saying, we need to, each of us, no matter what po political party you belong to, we need to make sure that we push ahead our American economic recovery to uplift our communities. Richard, that's amazing. And I know that each and every one of us in this room has had some kind of experience with COVID-19, with the pandemic. We all have questions about how these conversations have affected us directly, can affect us directly and give us the tools and resources better to better build our futures. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. I know that that's the conversations that were going on up to now. And I'd, I'd like for, for maybe uh, Brianna, who is the Vice President of Communication over at the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, to give us a little bit of the lay of the land. Brianna, who was there? What were the topics of conversation? And in particular, what were the tools that people can begin to use? Just to name a few, because I know there were many. Absolutely. Thank you, Hector. For me, especially from the communications lens, it was great to see the data telling a story and that, uh, you know, the numbers don't lie. So when we talk about the impact of our community, hearing our elected officials, including the remarks you'll hear soon from Vice President Harris, just reiterating that, you know, we have 4.7 million Hispanic owned businesses in the country that contribute $800 billion to the U.S. economy. So what happens to our Hispanic business community matters and hearing that in the data that there are 61 million Latinos in the country that account for a GDP of $2.6 trillion, that all of that is faced with the truth that only two out of every 10 loan requests made by a Hispanic small business owner is approved. 
And so when you look at just the impact that we have, but the problems that we're facing as a community, it's really powerful, uh, especially for me personally as a Latina, but also just as someone very passionate about helping our entrepreneurs, uh, especially now more than ever during the pandemic, just hearing that focus from our leaders saying that they realize it, that they, that like Richard said, that help is here, that resources are here. It was, it was a very positive, very uplifting day. And I really hope that we see a lot more of this um, as I, I really feel like we're just scratching the surface, especially with this new administration and being at the table for these conversations. And I really think the lineup speaks for itself, you know, that, um, for example, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, just in his first couple of weeks in office, is making time to speak to the Latino business community, that having the brand new small business administrator, Isabella Casillas Guzman, being with us, it all just speaks volumes that, you know, they're not bouncing us off to uh, to not being available or to uh, staff members who we also love. They're making the time to really talk to the community because they're seeing the value that's there. That is amazing, Bree, and I, I, I'm excited to hear more details about it. Uh, I'd like to introduce our next panelist that is also a special guest with us this evening, uh, and that is Melanie. Melanie is the head of the Pittsburgh Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Melanie, give us a little bit of, of how you felt today. What were the key points? And, and in particular, what were the takeaways that you, that you go back to Pittsburgh saying, man, this, this was good. This is good for our community. Thank you so much. You know, there are a lot of things that if you attended or you watched the videos, which you can still view on the USHCC website or their Facebook page, um, there are so many things that you can see. But what a lot of people don't know about is all of the work going down behind the scenes. Of course, you know, from the media perspective, there are a ton of things. But what most people don't know is that the chamber presidents were given the opportunity to actually choose um, different congressmen that we wanted to speak to so that we could have a one-on-one, -on -one, voice our members' concerns, talk about our communities. And this is something that is tremendous. You know, of course, we could see with the level of the speakers that this administration really cares about the Hispanic community, about, you know, improving things for minorities, especially in the way of funding, um, and that all that is going well. But on the other side of it, you know, it was so tremendous to be able to take questions from our community members and speak with these congressmen one-on-one. -on -one. And not only that they were listening and answering the questions that I asked them, but they were inquisitive. They wanted to know what the community needs, what they can do, and, you know, wanted to work on collaborating going forward. So this is not just a one-day thing where we had a legislative summit, one and done. This is something that they're creating relationships that will last throughout the year and many years to come to make a much greater impact on the community. Um, I actually met a very good friend of mine a few years ago at the Legislative Summit. I'm not going to call him out, but he is from, um, I would say, like a Fortune 5 company. And ever since I met him at the Legislative Summit, we've connected. He supported our programs. His company has supported. And just the ability that the USHCC has to do the business matchmaking um, and all of the other connections are tremendous and they just never fall short. They make impact all day, every day. Thank you guys. 
Melanie, that is amazing. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on today's big events. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with the conversation. It's my understanding we're ready for uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's remarks. Leroy, why don't you set the tone before we hear from Vice President Kamala Harris? Well, Hector, I think that it's uh, very important today what the Vice President told the Hispanic business community, a community that is um, the gateway to American revitalization as far as our economy is concerned. We know that we have some challenges uh, when it comes to access to capital, when it comes to government procurement, when it comes to more representation in the corporate boardrooms of America. And that's why it is up to people like us who are on this platform today to make sure that we ensure that we have a seat at the decision tables of America. And that if there's not a seat for us, that we make a seat for ourselves because Latinos need to be at the table, not on the menu. And so we start off with this administration. We're almost, I think we're like 70 days into the new administration. And these are historic, unprecedented times in our country. And the vice president really gave a lot of hope today. What has come out of the American Rescue Plan and that piece of legislation holds a lot of hope for a lot of Latino businesses across the country, quite frankly, for all minority businesses in this country. I've always said, Hector, that being Latino is a state of mind and we need to continue to fledge forward with the resources that we are being given in order to help our brothers and sisters hang open signs on their businesses and not close signs, to help Latino families be banked and to have access to capital and to be educated on how we as a community can become more philanthropic and manage the wealth of our community. Now that's the way forward, folks. We got to manage our own wealth. So I think with that, Hector, that kind of sets the stage for listening to the vice president and her remarks at today's 2021 USHCC Legislative Summit. I'm honored to join your legislative summit and thank you to Ramiro Cavazos and the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce for all you do in your roles of leadership. I often say that business leaders are among our most passionate civic leaders, community leaders, and role models. It is you who sponsor local softball teams. You create jobs in your neighborhoods, whether your businesses are small, large, or in between. Whether your industry is construction, food services, or childcare, Latino-owned businesses are the fabric of communities across our country. Thank you. This past year, it's been difficult, both for your bottom line and for your peace of mind. One in four small businesses have closed, thousands owned by Latinos. These numbers reinforce what we already know. The situation is urgent. When the president and I were preparing to take office, he promised that help is on its way. Well, now help is here. The American Rescue Plan provides over $60 billion for our nation's small businesses. We're investing $28 billion in grants for restaurants and bars, which make up about one in seven Latino-owned businesses. 
we're putting $15 billion toward a flexible grant program for small businesses that were hardest hit by the pandemic. And we're giving Paycheck Protection Program more than $7 billion so that mom and pop shops can get help navigating the system. The American Rescue Plan lays the groundwork for the work ahead including the work to strengthen community development financial institutions and minority depository institutions. One of the last things I did in the Senate was work to secure an additional $12 billion for CDFIs and MDIs. And now I am working with Secretary Janet Yellen to build on that progress. And you know, this is about more than getting us through this pandemic. It's about making sure that the businesses you run have equal access to capital. I recently met with Lorena Cantorvisi, the owner of Maria Empanada, a small business in Denver, Colorado. She started out small, making empanadas for her friends and family from her kitchen at home. Demand grew, and soon she saved enough to buy her first commercial oven. Later, when she was ready to expand, she tried getting a loan from a bank. Well, the banks told her she wasn't, in their words, bankable. But that didn't stop her. Today, she has expanded to three locations. Small business owners and minority business owners deserve access to capital. They deserve a fair shot. President Joe Biden and I are working to ensure Lorena and your members have the resources they need to build their businesses. And I look forward to working with all of you to get that job done. Thank you. I'd like to bring in our co-mods, our moderators for today's conversation. We're going to be having conversations with people from across America. We're going to be needing people to share their stories. And who better than to have a a, an array of different moderators from across the United States who are influencing and representing our community on social media platforms today. We have Danai, we have Chef Theo G, we have Rodrigo, we have Dora, we have Liza and Amber ready to go as moderators. I'd like to begin with just a story. I'm going to send it over to Rodrigo. Rodrigo, tell us a little bit about the story that you faced during the pandemic. Hector, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate being, uh, being able to participate here on the panel. And my experience during the, the pandemic so far, uh, it really it really has made everybody shift what they do in their particular business as such. Uh, one of the many things that I do is I'm a producer at a radio show there in Houston, Texas on KPFT 90.1 uh, with Tony Diaz, uh, Latinos, Latino politics and news and Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers have their say. And before it was the show that drove the social media. And when the pandemic hit, it affected us directly. Uh, they closed the, they closed the entire studio down. We had to figure out, okay, the studio's closed. Are we going to continue with the show? What are we going to do? We started thinking, well, we still got to get this news out there, right? The pandemic is here, but things are still occurring. Still, things are still happening, still affecting our community. So what we, what do we do? We ended up saying, you know what? Let's make the social media drive the show. So we ended up going to social media. Then we started doing remote broadcasting and remote recording. I say all that because the voices that we have right now, like, like Liza was saying right now, you still have to do the work. You still have to figure it out. And Latinos and Hispanic business owners are the key to, to the economy. They, they continually show up, making sure that they do, they create these small businesses 
and employment opportunities. Then they earlier today on Twitter showed, shared a really stunning uh, uh, data point where she was talking about how in the last 10 years, uh, Hispanic business has grown 34% compared to 1% for the rest of the population. That's amazing. That's amazing when you think about that. Even though we have less access to capital, even though we have less access to resources, that's why it's so critical that we continue the work. And when we did the radio show, we did the same thing. We said, we got to continue this work. So we started doing the interviews offline. We started doing the interviews via cell phone and recording them and mixing them all offline, trying to do the best our part to spread the word and spread the message. And when I decided to start my business, one of the first things that I did was actually reach out to the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce over there with Dr. Murillo and got some resources for them. And the fact that they're there, they're there to provide that help that many of us don't know, that we don't know where to go. Where do we start? How do we get an LLC? What can we do? How do I get a loan? What grants are available? We got to let our people know that these resources are there, that the, 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 United, the United States Hispanic Chamber of Honors is there to serve the people. And that's why it's so critical to continue the work, even through the conditions that we go through. Because uh, the interesting thing is, out of all the social media users, 57% of Hispanics are likely to use social media, which is more than the average for the entire population. So the audience is out there. We just got to reach them and we got to help them. And we got to continue doing what we got to do. And I really appreciate the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce hosting this legislative session, this uh, this entire program and getting these speakers and reassuring our community that they are here for us and that they're here to serve our people. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. This is Rodrigo and I'm done speaking. So those are two of the stories that we are that we are going to be discussing, but we are going to ha have to discuss more because we're going to have to discuss your stories. All of you in the audience, get ready to come on up with your question and answer. Amber, in relation to what you've been experiencing thus far during the pandemic, your thoughts on Vice President Kamala Harris's remarks. One of my good friends that is now one of my clients, but now a good friend, you know, she had an event business. And so for her, there were no events. Everybody shut down. We couldn't see each other. Well, she quickly pivoted and was able to bring joy to being locked up by creating um, arrangements and balloons that kids could play with to keep their moms and dads sane while they were trying to do school and trying to work and trying to navigate all of this, right? And so it's creativity like that that we that I had to come and serve my community with to say, how can I be of service? How can we pivot? And one of the things that I found the most difficult for Latino businesses was the ability to go digital. The ability to have resources to streamline their processes and be able to digitize quickly and mobilize quickly. So when I hear, um, you know, the vice president say that that it is of utmost importance that Latino and diverse business owners are getting access to capital, it's not just about the capital. Capital is amazing, and yes, we need more, but we also need more education, more resources, more hands-on help to help bring a lot of our Latino owners out of the mom and pop mentality and be able to really start being more forward thinking, really adopt digital, really step into how they can expand their businesses beyond um, what they've been able to do in the past. And so when I hear it, I love it. I want to see more capital. I want to see more corporations step up with their ventures teams and invest in all of these amazing Latino 
tech founders that we have that are dying and thirsty for a company to fund them. Um, so it makes my heart happy to hear that funding is coming, but I would love to see funding with resources and education and technical support for a lot of our companies out there. I'm Amber and I'm done speaking. I'm going to send it over to Danai, who is also the founder of the Amigos Club on Clubhouse, the largest Latino club uh, on Clubhouse. Danai, your questions for today's panel. Thank you. Um, yes. So, uh, so coming from the standpoint of somebody that knows our numbers, right? I, you know, I work with brands and I connect them to multicultural consumers. So I've always known that we represent a heck of a lot of money in GDP and a lot of opportunity. And we've been the ones that have led the country through, um, you know, the comeback from recessions. We've been driving that kind of performance and, and creating that growth. And so, uh, to, you know, to hear the narrative just turn around from what it used to be where we were this drain on the economy, which was the narrative for so many years, unfortunately, to finally now, um, you know, the acknowledgement of our contributions is is a huge exhale. So I have to kind of lead in with that. Um, my heart is full just just hearing the acknowledgement of the tremendous contributions that Latinos have been creating for our country. Um, so that brings me to the question, which is where can Latino businesses find the resources that are going to be made available? How can they avail themselves of these resources and primarily what I'm talking about is access to the capital that we have been creating for our country and we deserve to have access to now at, at the same rate as everybody else. Let's send that question over to the Chief of Staff of the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Richard, your thoughts. Hector, thanks and thanks so much for that question. Uh, really, it's very simple. Uh, you know, the first step that we need to do as we look to, you know, create and start business and look to find avenues for capital, et cetera. Um, and, and I think we were sharing this yesterday as well. Get in touch with your local chamber, get in touch with your local business association, because they'll be able to help guide you to where you need to be. If I'm a, I'll just speak for myself. If I'm a Latino entrepreneur and I have an idea and I want to take it to, you know, to make it a reality and I have this plan in my head, it's going to be a great business, etc. The first thing that I need to do is arm myself with the knowledge necessary to know how to come up with a business plan, what opportunities for capital they are, because as we know here on this call, you know, on this uh, podcast, uh, you know, with, there can be venture capital. Now there's crowdfunding, there's the traditional bank loans, there's community development financial institutions. Uh, there's also local smaller banks that uh, are reminiscent of tr uh, larger banks like JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, but with a more community focus that can help make sure that your needs are met as a starting Latina or Latino entrepreneur. So my, my first piece of advice would be make sure that you arm yourself with knowledge and to do that, make sure that you get in touch with your local chamber. And oftentimes, by the way, this doesn't even require membership. You know, uh, we've heard firsthand from our national network of chamber leaders, not only that, you know, because of the COVID pandemic, some of them suspended, you know, uh, uh, pay membership payments, et cetera, and invoicing just to help out the community. but. In general, especially as we begin to open up again, if there's opportunities, whether it's a mixer or whether it's a, uh, you know, a gala or whatever it may be, 
get involved with your local chamber, get involved with your local business association, because not only will you learn about these opportunities and resources that are available, whether it's, you know, through a webinar or a seminar, etc., but you'll also meet people that share a similar story and that maybe are two or three steps ahead of you that will be able to guide you to how to get to where you want to go. That would be my main piece of advice. Uh, Hector and everyone. And from the local chamber level, um, you know, people getting involved with us, even if we don't have a resource right out of the gate to help, we are always open to developing those. And that's something that the United States Hispanic Chamber gets very involved with. And I'm very grateful um, that Brianna and Richard and Leroy and others have brainstormed a lot with me and held our hand along the way to give us the tools to help the community. But specifically touching on the legislative summit, I know especially a lot of smaller organizations um, just don't have the ability to be as active on uh, the legislative side. And this, um, you know, this summit, which again, the video is still available for, gives you so much information and a foundation to really grow on. You know, so many of us um, over the last year, actually all of us, you know, we've all been bombarded with bad news day after day, hour after hour. And so it's easy to want to shy away from politics. Um, and we touched on this a little bit yesterday, but we foundationally need to realize that that at the end of the day, everything with our businesses, the majority of things in our personal lives are affected by policy. And if we do not have a seat at the table, if we don't make our voices heard, we are not going to be considered. And the United States Hispanic Chamber stands up for, you know, Latinos everywhere and does an amazing job. Um, but, you know, we need to be educated. We need to know our rights and we need to get involved if we want to have a voice. Chef DOG, I bet Vice President Kamala Harris's remarks on another empanada business in the United States really touched home with you. Dude, who are you telling, man? So I was listening to it live and, you know, just just hearing that story. I'm like, yo, I'm at the beginning phase of that story. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, I've been in corporate America since I was 18. I'm a non-traditional student. I was in college and going to school just didn't work for me. Um, I was more on hand, um, of an on hand learner. Um, business has always been something that I've been passionate about, but I was making money for a lot of corporations that were doing nothing in the community. So COVID hit and my mental health completely plummeted. I still had a job. I was employed. I had to furlough all of my employees, um, had to take a pay cut and just dealing with the stressful life of COVID and being stuck in a house. I was like, what am I going to do? And I started my empanada and Latin kitchen business. Um, and it's kind of been, you know, a journey and a roller coaster. And just hearing that story today is like, wow, like that's what I'm, that's exactly what, you know, I aspire to do. Like, I don't just want to be a small business owner. I want to be able to provide for my community and provide for my family, provide for um, just my Latinos and Latinas. So I think if I had a question, it would be um, what? All right. So let's take, for instance, my business. I run my empanada and Latin kitchen, like I said, but I take 
time out of my week. I take, you know, a percentage of what I sell and I go back in to help and better the community. So every Sunday we're out and we feed the homeless. Uh, for a company like mine that is a for-profit company, but does a lot of work that nonprofits would do, are there any um, like availability for funding to just help grow uh, that business with the, uh, with the means of helping the community? And with that, I think we'll go to our uh, Vice President of Government Affairs for the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, C. Leroy Cavazos. Your thoughts on that question? Well, Chef, I have to say, you are the prime example of the American story. You are the prime example of an aspiring entrepreneur. You are who a lot of us aspire to be. Someone whose professional identity evolved gradually in corporate America, but you realize that your social impact was a lot more than what happens within the confines of American corporations. You realize that you had a product, that you had a passion for that product, and that that product would impact the sociability of the community that you live and you operate in. And that's the beauty of all this, is that what you want, a lot of other people want. And how we get there is what's important. And I'm proud to say that because of your story, because of the story that the vice president talked about today, that's why organizations like the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce exist, is to help stories like yours come to life, is to aid dreams of entrepreneurship like yours to become funded, to become bankable, and to evolve in minority communities. And it is because of people like you, why we, myself, Brianna, Richard, Ramiro, our entire team and our board get up every single day to do the work that we do to fight in the halls of Congress, to fight in the boardrooms of corporate America, because you, my friend, are part of the American supply chain. And it is only through people like you that we are going to see a stable revitalization for our community. And your wealth belongs to everybody else. So we got to take a piece of what you've become, of what you've established so that we can multiply you and make more of you. So thank you, Chef, for what you're doing because you are the living, breathing example of what so many people that we know on a day-to-day -day basis want to be. And I admire you for your tenacious fight to become that entrepreneur, to become that example in our Latino community. I'm C. Leroy and I'm done speaking. Leroy, and I know that you're exhausted from two days of extensive, not only speeches, but also talks, conversations with members of the administration, with the SBA. What are some of the top funds you can start pointing people towards? What are some of the top tools you can start pointing people towards? People like Chef DOG, other businesses, because I know that's where the questions are coming from off the top of your head. What are some of those top ones that you would say, look, start looking into these, everybody? I would definitely say, Hector, that 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 I always tell small business owners to go and seek money from community financial development institutions or minority depository institutions. That's where the Latino community is going to get banked. 
that's where we're not going to get taken advantage of with a high interest rate or predatory lending. That That's really where, and this administration and the relief legislation that has been passed recently has aided a lot of those CDFIs across the country to have more money because it used to be post-pandemic, I mean, before the pandemic, that those CDFIs had to be venture funded or those CDFIs had to go out and raise the money to lend out to people. And now that they've been included in legislation, they have a lot more money to lend. The other places, fintechs are becoming a big thing in our community. And those fintechs are also lending money to minority businesses. And we have to take advantage of that. We have to know where the best bank for our buck is. If we're starting a business or we have an established business and we need more operating capital. I always tell people, a lot of people don't like owing the federal government money, but the the program of the economic injury disaster loans that came out from the SBA, you're talking about a loan from the SBA on a 30-year term at a 2% interest rate. That's practically like a bank writing you a blank check. And on top of that, in the next 10 years, you know that there's going to be legislation out there that organizations like ours fights for to get a percentage, if not all of those loans forgiven. Um, because we saw that happen with a 2008 recession, that a lot of those loans, either interest was deferred, the term of the loan was decreased, the amount of the loan was decreased by a certain amount. So that is what that is what we have to do. And I want to throw it to Brianna. Brianna is really the expert, uh, subject matter expert here, Hector, because she manages all our programming at the USHCC. So Brianna, can you do me a favor and chime in on this topic of capital access for our Latino entrepreneurs? Absolutely. Thanks, Leroy. I think you covered a lot of it when it comes to lending and definitely a big fan of the CDFIs. But I definitely encourage all of you who are business owners on the line to engage with the USHCC, sign up for our newsletter on our website, follow us, because we do share grant opportunities all the time and they're usually quick turnarounds. But if we uh, can't find you, we can't help you, right? So please reach out to us, engage with us so that you are getting all of the resources that we share. We also provide free bilingual technical assistance. And I think that's really important. There's not a lot of organizations doing that right now. So you can literally call us, email us, and we will find the answers for you or send you to the right place to at least get you to the next step. And we talk a lot about this with, you know, younger entrepreneurs and things, you know, the USHCC is one of those rare, safe spaces. A lot of folks, you know, when you're denied a loan or something fell through or you lost some something that meant a lot to you and your business, it's embarrassing to talk about for some people or they don't want to ask questions to a 1-800 number or a random website or customer service line, you know, so please know that you have a safe space with people that genuinely will listen to you, will help you, will have a listening ear, and we're not just going to leave you hanging. And that's an important resource. I wish more business owners would reach out to us directly 
But I also think it's important to talk about uh, being certified. A lot of Latino business owners are not certified as a Hispanic-owned business. There's different ways to do this. Uh, we have a partner with the uh, NMSDC where you can get certified. But once you have that certification, we are doing a lot of training, procurement training, to help connect our business owners to government contracts, to private sector contracts with big companies. So I think that that's an important part of this capital is not just lending, but really uh, connecting you to those opportunities with these companies to help you get to the next level. This is Brianna and I'm done speaking. Brianna, amazing tips. Leroy, amazing tips. And if everybody's getting a paper and pen out, this would be the time. There were some tips that were already dropped. Number one, stay in touch with your local and your national chamber of commerce. Stay in touch with them. Uh, Look them up. Who are they? Who runs them? We have a president of a local chamber here from Pittsburgh, and that's Melanie. Take a look at all the places. Start clicking on them. Start following them. For many of the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce uh, guests that we have, this is only their second day on Clubhouse. Uh, So make sure you follow them. They're going to become prolific speakers on this platform. I just know it because I know them all, and I know they all bring heavy value to the table. But tip number two, fintechs. Tip number three, CDFIs. Google them, start looking into them. They were already dropped in this conversation. And with that, we're gonna go ahead and begin the question and answer phase of all of this. Uh, Hi Hector, thank you everyone. And uh, greetings to my Latino and Latina brothers and sisters. You know, I, I popped into the room actually by accident and I heard Melanie talking about technology uh, getting technology into hands of small businesses, which is a, a real passion of mine, uh, and particularly with uh, Latina and uh, Latino businesses, because I've had a lot of good success in that direction. Here's my uh, f- uh, third or fourth tip uh, that uh, Hector, to add to his already, a lot of small businesses don't know that technology has changed and it is now being consumed as a service. So when it comes to setting up an office with computers and printers, if you have any sets of books at all, and you've got any kind of track record as a small business, you don't need a loan and you don't have to go to a bank. You can come to me, you can come to some of my competitors, I can do this nationwide, so the other folks that I know, and you can walk in and say, hey, you know, we're a profitable business, we're small, I need five or $10,000 worth of computers and you can get those with a loan uh, on a three or four year term. So you're making payments and you're going, you're walking out the door or they're coming to set that up for you because I can guarantee you that a lot of businesses similar to mine are looking for exactly those type of clients, small businesses that pay their bills that are growing or at least trying and have a track record and are looking for technology whatever type it is, it's as a service and those payments can be spread out over time. So if anyone has an interest in that, I could show you how to do that on a national national level. We do a ton of it on the West Coast. Uh, and the other thing too is that what, with regard to the nonprofit, that I, the stuff that I've done and what I know, there is a ton of money out there. And a lot of these bigger technology companies are, uh, they have programs that to, to donate to nonprofits uh, that that are trying to help their communities. So that's another direction as well. I'm Evan Reese and I'm done speaking. I'm Winslow Swart. I am the founder of Millones de Sueños and I live in the northernmost city of Mexico, which is San Antonio, Texas. 
like some of you guys that are also on USHCC, we work together closely. And one of my pandemic stories actually has to do with the work we did collaboratively for, for nine years as we built a Hispanic leadership development program here in the region. And it was one of the marquee leadership programs. Um, we, you know, it, it was analog for nine years. And then the pandemic hit. And like, like Liza said earlier, you know, panic or pivot, right? And so for 2020, what we were going to do and other leadership programs were just pulling up tent snakes that we're going to get back to this later. But we completely reformatted and reconfigured what we did and it was hugely successful. But at the same time, my other enterprises, like many of us, were on life support. And I was building my startup and getting ready to, you know, close a funding round and go to market. And that was even more of a battle than it traditionally is raising early stage seed capital. So this is where my pain point is being resonated by a lot of the comments that Chef Tio and other people are talking about. I mean, even though I was I was in the tech business and we're going to make a huge social impact, we needed hard cash to get there. My developers in, in, in Texas and Colombia, they don't work for free, right? So this was kind of a, a, a real learning experience. I'm glad to say we are going to market now. We have endured. We have survived. Um, but man, that was that was tough. And, and what I was really glad to hear today, uh, what uh, our vice president, Kamala Harris, and, and I'm, I think maybe her biggest fan, was and also many of our other representatives and speakers, the theme and tone was about innovation and job creation. And I kind of want to say that the new mom and pops are startups, right? So I would like to see more of that South by South lawn kind of vibe where we're, we're looking at not only our traditional small companies, but our millennials and so many Latinx companies are now legitimately startups in tech and enterprises and related and, and other industries. So, um, you know, the more we can be pointed in directions for early stage capital, seed funding, um, and, you know, and then into venture, that's, I think those are some of the resources that are going to be really meaningful for everyone, as well as, and, I, and I'm so glad Brianna and you guys are involved with that whole accelerator, uh, you know, format, because I think that's how we get the acumen in education. We've had an amazing leap forward for not only the United States of America, but for the Latino community in the United States. Because over the course of the last 48 hours, a series of talks with Secretary Yellen, President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, the SBA, pretty much the entirety of Biden's administration sat down with the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce to really discuss and talk about tools and resources that we can use to build back stronger, to get better in terms of our dreams, in terms of our businesses, in terms of our hopes, and where we want to take them post-pandemic. The reason we're having the discussion today is because it's time that we all start taking note of all of these different resources and start applying them to our everyday life. Today is that day where you should take out a pen and paper and start really looking into how you're going to build back, how you're going to invest these tools, start taking note of the people that are up on stage, our guests, C. Leroy Cavazos, he is the Vice President of Government Affairs at the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, Richard Garcia, who is the Chief of Staff at the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. We also have Brianna, who is the Vice President of Communication, Brianna Dimas, at the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And we also have, joining us today, 
Melanie Marie Boyer, who is the head of the Pittsburgh Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, all here up on stage, as well as our amazing co-moderators who in and of their own right have their own stories during the pandemic, as we all do. Let's go to uh, our next question. Norma, you're up next. Hola, hi. Um, thank you so much for the space. Uh, again, my name is Norma. Uh, um, I work for local government and um, during COVID, um, and I have been in IT and communications, so I'm in communications right now. And during COVID, we noticed that our Hispanic community was staying behind. They didn't really understand a lot of the times the messaging that we were sending out. So we started to make the information available in Spanish uh, with diverse um, with pictures that included um, Hispanic people, uh, hashtags. We did TV interviews, radio, anything to transfer that information. So that made me feel really, really bad because it felt like a big past part of the community was staying behind. So I wanted to do something. So I started to do some volunteer work with people that needed to put online um, stores and things like that, that um, uh, to help them bring that online. And but I want to, so I did that as, as a volunteer, but now I want to do even more. So my question to you guys in, is, what is the best way to connect with the Latino-owned businesses to help with digital needs? So I have the knowledge, I, I understand technology, I have the language too, so and I have the patience to explain, so I have that. But how do I bring that to the businesses that I know they don't have the time to learn it, but I can just get them enough so they can bring their products online, so they can have something. Um, so how, how do I do that? That's my question. Thank you so much. We'll throw it over, we'll throw it over to Bree. Bree, go ahead. Sorry, Hector, I'll jump in um, and others may have resources, but Norma, it's a great question and we get this a lot. We are we have a lot of partnerships with people like Google who have started the new Grow with Google um, campaign. It's completely free and they launched a, a Spanish language one that our members have been benefiting from. So during the pandemic, it's been a great resource to try and get folks who didn't have a website or didn't have a Google profile, which... But, some people may have an automatic one that Google's pulling your information from, but they don't realize that they can edit it and use it and even add um, like new features for your business on it, like delivery and other things through the Google app. So that's one that I can think of. We have a few partnerships that we can definitely loop you into as far as getting people more tech savvy and, and uh, online and even uh, for e-payments. So I, uh, maybe we can connect offline. I would love to, uh, to talk with you more. And I want to add that um, a recent, uh, um, what is it? I want to say a program. Um, it's something that the Pittsburgh Chamber has been doing for a while, but now the USHCC is also partnering with Google um, so that we can bring some resources like workshops and things to the community um, at no cost. And they're tremendous. Um, I know on our Facebook page. We have a ton of the different ones already, but there's so many resources. So I'm sure if you want to connect with Brianna or myself, we would be happy to connect you with that. That thank is you. that is amazing. Norma, thank you uh, for your calm, for your questions, your thoughts, and uh, for some interesting developments in terms of uh, how we're building this community up uh, and some interesting comments on the matter. I want to bring in our co-moderator, Liza. What's going on? 
Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Really excited to see so many people here on the stage. I see Jessica has joined us and we had, uh, oh my gosh, so just so many people in the audience. I see Jackie, Jeffrey, this is great. So a couple of things that I wanna share is one, <clears throat> excuse me, one, if you're in the audience, I'm curious to know, as we're talking especially about PPP and what have you, can anyone in the audience, if you've applied for PPP last year, can you raise your hand? I'd love for my fellow mods and I just to see how many people know. All right, we have a couple of people voting. Great, I'm gonna leave it open for about five more seconds to see. And my fellow mods, fellow mods, tap on the screen if you're seeing this number. Wanna make sure that you all see it. Double tap your mics. Fantastic, all right. So I'm gonna close this down and then I'm gonna open it again. And then I'm gonna ask the same question, but I'm curious to know who this time has applied for PPP. I wanna really compare 2020 to 2021. So go ahead and vote if you have already uh, registered or, or yeah, basically applied for PPP as of yet. Okay, and our mods are seeing that. Yeah, wow. Okay, so that to me is really, ex it, it's interesting data, right? I'm such a data girl. I think it's so important, right? So just to share some of the overall data we had, about, I would say from our audience, 10% of our audience that applied last year and this year so far, we had less than 2%. So it's very interesting. Again, maybe it's that people don't know the resources. Maybe it's because they still don't understand uh, some of the ways to do it, or they have questions or there's fear associated. I also know we're keeping it very real in our community. And that's how I always like to approach things is that we know that within our community, there's that sense of pena. Uh, as well, right? And oh gosh, we got to do this. How do we can get get through it? How do I ask for help? I'm going to throw it over to Brianna. Sure. We actually have a bi-weekly newsletter and it has other resources, workshops coming up, trainings. I mentioned about contracting opportunities. So whenever we get RFPs for folks that are looking for new uh, people to hire uh, for Fortune uh, 1000 companies and government agencies, all of those things go in our newsletter too. But during the pandemic, there's been some small business grants. Anytime we hear of money available, we share it. We had different opportunities uh, in the recent past with Verizon doing small business grants with Google um, and a few other folks. I know that one uh, resource that has grants that are open for application right now is called Hello Alice. I invite you to visit their website, follow them. They have quite a few openings right now. They do a lot with Hispanic entrepreneurs and also with uh, black entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs of color. Um, but whenever we get resources, the it just happens to be usually that the grant deadline is next week. So it's really important that you're on that list, that you're getting things in real time because we blast them out as soon as we get them. And we try to also translate those materials into Spanish so that all of you guys can be applying for these grants and these opportunities. We also have a small business accelerator at the USHTC, completely free, no cost. It's called Avanzad. We invite you to participate in programs like that that help you scale your business. So for those that are joining us on the podcast, that website that you're going to want to visit is ushcc.com. Again, that's ushcc.com. And then you can scroll to the bottom and sign up for the newsletter. And then if you want to head over to follow them on Twitter and on Instagram, I'm going to give you those handles as well. So on Twitter, it is at ushcc. And then on Instagram, they added the word the in front of it. So it's at the ushcc on Instagram. I believe Carmen was up next. Norma had just concluded. Yes. Hi. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for inviting me on this um, room. I'm really excited about this. Um, just a little bit about myself. I'm actually HR professional, nine to five, Monday to Friday. But 
I also, I am a founder of Solicar. It's a nonprofit organization that helps victims of natural disasters. And I started this in 2017 after Maria hit Puerto Rico and the day after Mexico had a huge earthquake. So my need and my love to always help others, I have been able to bring the community together. And pre-COVID, I was able to, we were able to raise funds by organizing social events. Now, as COVID got here, you know, we had to get creative and we had to use the tools such as social media. And one of the places that we've been able to be successful at is using Clubhouse. Um, you know, recently we were able to help uh, victims from the Texas winter storms. And I was really blessed to be supported and actually work together with Rodrigo Bravo, who's on stage. And also Danai was definitely a supporter. We were able to provide a hundred meals to those that needed it and water and a couple of people in the audience also helped out. So shout out to Stephanie Acosta. And my question now is, how can we get, how can a nonprofit company or organization owned by Latinos uh, benefit from these grants? How do we go about getting them? What are the steps that we need to take in order to be able to continue to help our community and those in need? Thank you. This is Carmen. I'm time speaking. Let's go over to Richard. Richard, your thoughts? Thanks, Hector. Uh, this might be better suited for Brie, but let me just try to chime in here and, and pass it over to her. But really, my number one thing that I would share is uh, sign up for newsletters. Carmen, and, and first of all, thank you for everything that you do through Soli Hard. And, you know, it's great to hear that you're such an active Latina leader in the community, of course, and the work that you do to help folks after the earthquakes in Mexico and Hurricane Maria and others. But just to get to your point, uh, the first step is to be aware of these kinds of opportunities because Brianna mentioned it before. A lot of times these come up within a one to two week time frame and we put it out and try to get it out to our, through our social media channels, through our national partners, etc. But oftentimes you, you'd be surprised at how many times we share things. And even though it's sometimes money at the table that we just say, all you need to do is kind of like show up, you know, uh, and, and, and we'll cut you a check almost. Obviously, it's a little more complicated than that. But the point that I'm trying to make is that there's so many opportunities that are that easy to get support, but oftentimes they go by because we're not signed up for the right newsletters. So really do go to ushgc.com if you can and others, of course, and sign up to get our newsletters because that's how we promote. And of course, other uh, chambers, your local chambers, local business associations, etc. And before I pass it to Bree to see if I missed anything, two quick things that I wanted to share. Uh, one uh, is going back to the point about PPPs, PPP loans, uh, make sure everyone who still has their pens and paper in their hands, the deadline was extended this week to May 31st. So if you want to apply for a paycheck protection program loan, you have to do it by May 31st. After that, they won't accept applications anymore. And that was just extended. So keep that in mind. And two, the Small Business Administration has a really cool tool on their website called Lender Match. And if you put in your location, it'll put it'll give you your uh, local community lenders that can help you get access to PPP loans. And my last point there is you'd be surprised to see which lenders came out to be, you know, the top lending institutions in the United States throughout 2020 and now into 2021. Folks like Square, folks like PayPal and others, speaking of fintech, speaking of using technology, you know, and, and, and non-traditional means to get capital, 
they really stepped up to the plate and they were able to, you know, hand out, help process loans, I should say, uh, PPP loans for small businesses. So really make sure that you're aware of all those resources. But I'll stop there, maybe pass it to Bree to see if I missed anything in terms of how to get access to this capital. Thanks, Richard. Uh, you summed it up really well. I would just add, now that you're talking about PPP, that uh, a lot of people don't know there's a second drawdown opportunity. So even if you've got PPP funds, you may be able to qualify for a second round. Uh, so please uh, check. It's it's worth calling your bank or checking the SBA website to see if you qualify. Um, we also have a new partnership with the Minority Business Development Agency called USHCC Cares. So ushccares.com, you'll see eight different uh, regional offices that you can call, email, contact for resources for small businesses. And we're also posting grants and things on that one as well. So be sure to visit both ushcc.com and ushcccares.com. Uh, we asked uh, earlier a question with everyone that was in the audience to let us know how many applied last year to PPP and how many applied this year. And I was shocked to see that less than 2% of our audience applied this year. And we had a little bit of a higher number last year at around 10%, which seems to be the average. But Denai had such a great perspective as to why, and I completely agree with it. So I wanted to throw it over to you, Denai. Thank you, Liza. So um, back to being a numbers girl, uh, I so low to me. And I know that they come from the fact that there's a lack of confidence in the whole process. Uh, you know, there was so much news about how so much money went to companies that frankly didn't need them when compared to the businesses that were struggling. And so, and I'm, I'm talking about the small businesses, the mom and pops, um, you know, our Latino businesses. And so I would love it if you guys can just address what is different now that would give the small business owners the confidence to go ahead and say, okay, these are going to be for me. Uh, I have a chance. There's opportunity and the opportunity is, is, you know, is there for me versus what uh, I think is the general consensus amongst many, you know, Latino business owners, which was they just have a lack of confidence. So I actually, um, I connected with a lot of our business owners who applied in the first round and, and didn't get it, or who were unable to apply, or who just didn't want to. And one of the things that really struck me is that not wanting help, not being able to, um, you know, admit thinking that, oh, this is saying something about me if I need help, um, you know, different things like that. And after a lot of conversations with different, um, different minority chambers and different groups, I really felt that it was the strongest in our community. Um, you know, most Latino businesses bootstrap um, and do not reinvest, um, which is why we're the least likely to get to the million dollar mark, unfortunately, which is a, you know, a cycle that we want to break. Um, but this was just another example of, no, we're going to bootstrap. We can make it. We're proud. Um, and while on one hand, that is great. On the other hand, we need to know when to ask for help. So this time around, um, I was really conscientious about literally making hundreds of calls one by one and just talking to business owners, directing them to the portal that we have, which is in my bio, um, and just 
telling people, you know, everyone needs help right now. And this is your money. Not only that, but the people who were missed the first time around or who were denied, um, there are so many new exceptions and new qualifications. A lot of people, um, still think that they don't qualify because of the old rules. So I made around 70 calls in two days to sole proprietors, entertainers. Um, I sent out texts to even some people in this room saying, hey, I know you don't have an LLC or I know you don't have employees, but did you know that you qualify? And I mean, it was 70, 80% of people who did qualify did not know because they weren't educated on the difference in roles. So I think there are so many different things at hand, but at the end of the day, people like you guys being in this room, passing on that information, calling the people that you know, now that you heard this qualify and just being an advocate for your community can make all the difference in the world. And so with that, I'd like to uh, go to Secretary Yellen, who had some of the most pointed comments uh, she had to make today at the convention with the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Let's listen in to her comments on the impact of the Latino community in America today. Thank you all for having me. I've been an economist for a long time. And one area where I focus my attention is on the disparity in economic outcomes, especially when it comes to race and ethnicity. It's probably because I began studying the subject during the civil rights movement. I took my first economics course around 1963. I was a freshman in college. Since then, our country has endured at least five major economic crises. There was the oil crisis and the stagflation in the 70s, the double-dip recession of the early 80s, the burst of the dot-com bubble, and of course, the Great Recession beginning in 08. Each of these crises was very different, but they all shared at least one significant characteristic. They all hit Latino Americans disproportionately hard. In fact, if you take the Hispanic unemployment rate over the past 50 years and superimpose it on top of the national average, what you see are two lines that move roughly in tandem except the Hispanic unemployment rate is always above the national average. And when there's a crisis, both rates spike, but the Hispanic rate spikes much higher. Economic crises generally do this. They take pre-existing inequalities and make them even more unequal. To me, it's one of the most pernicious effects of a struggling economy. And it's something the president and I wanted to prevent from happening again. After all, the fifth crisis, the one I haven't mentioned yet, is the current one. It's the pandemic. If someone tried to design an economic crisis that would unduly target the Hispanic community, they'd probably come up with something that looks a lot like COVID-19. The five sectors the pandemic was most likely to slow or shut down accounted for 50% of revenues for Latino-owned businesses. They accounted for 65% of all Latino employment. As this organization knows far better than I do, it was immense pain, 
and it cascaded down into higher rates of joblessness, into more Hispanic families laid on their mortgages and their rent, into hunger. One in five Latino households still say they don't have enough food to eat. When I took office, I looked at economic data like these, and I worried that many of these families would be haunted by the COVID economy long after the health emergency was over. We know that when the foundations of someone's life collapse, when they lose a small business or the ability to eat dinner every night, it can weigh them down permanently. Their ability to earn is forever lowered. It's a phenomenon called economic scarring. And I worried this would happen on a mass scale. That's why the president and I had been so insistent that we deliver more relief. And now we are. On March 11th, the president signed the American Rescue Plan into law. It's easily the most ambitious relief package since the Great Depression. And it includes a slate of programs that will help people make it to the other side of this pandemic. There's funding to immunize people, to help people with their rent and mortgages, and to send $1,400 checks to most families in the country. There are a lot of very tired Treasury employees who spent much of the last 19 days and nights figuring out how to get this money out the door and doing so in a way that prioritizes the people who need it most. We've been very focused on that, and not just for programs in this rescue plan, but for all the pandemic relief programs that existed previously. The Paycheck Protection Program is probably the one you're most familiar with. PPP was supposed to be an early lifeline, but because of issues with the program's design, the first rounds often didn't reach the smallest businesses, which are disproportionately Hispanic-owned. We're addressing that now and tweaking how we implement the program. It's allowing us to reach millions more micro-businesses and entrepreneurs especially in rural and low-income areas. With the passage of the rescue plan, we will thankfully avoid economic scarring on a mass scale. At the end of the day, it will probably still be true that the pandemic economy followed the historic trend and hit the Hispanic community harder than many other groups. But when we look back at the data, I don't believe the effects will be as long-lasting as they would have otherwise. I think people will be ready to bounce back. In fact, I expect we'll be back at full employment by next year. And if history is any guide, Hispanic-owned businesses will drive a large portion of the recovery. From 2007 to 2012, Years that roughly track the Great Recession and the immediate rebound, the number of Latino-owned businesses grew by 3.3%. Doesn't sound like much until you see that during the same period, non-Latino-owned businesses declined by 3.6%. And after 2012, 
the number of new Latino-owned businesses grew at more than twice the national average. I want you to know, I'm confident Hispanic entrepreneurs can lead us out of a crisis again. I know Hispanic workers can power our recovery, potentially in an even bigger way than a decade ago. So long as we remove some of the long-standing barriers that have been in your way. When it comes to this, the Hispanic community, there's such a frustrating irony in the historic data. On the one hand, this community outperforms in the creation of new businesses. On the other, you have less access to capital to create and grow them in the first place. One study looked at national banks and their loan approval rates for white and Latino-owned firms. The approval rate for Latino-owned companies was 60% lower. And that's even when controlling for how the business was performing. We know that Latinos, and especially Latinas, are overrepresented in the ranks of essential workers, the people who've kept our country afloat this past year. But we also know that support has not been returned in kind. Before the pandemic, Latinas accounted for 17% of the women in the labor force. Since the pandemic began, they've accounted for 27% of women who've left it. I believe a major cause is the burden of childcare. We need to unwind this frustrating irony. We need to give you the support you need. We've begun to do some of this. The American Rescue Plan, for example, includes funding so essential workers can pay for childcare. And at Treasury, we're gearing up to inject $12 billion into community development financial institutions and minority depository institutions. It's more money than has flowed through these programs since their creation in the 90s. And I think it will make a meaningful difference in the ability of Latino-owned firms to access capital. But this is just a start, and I need your help. I think this speech probably demonstrated that we have access to some very detailed economic data at Treasury. But there's no replacement for the deep personal knowledge you have. You know what it feels like to open shop and scale up in your communities. We need to understand that too. Good policymaking requires that we understand the humanity beneath the data. And I'm hoping you can help us there. I've been holding virtual roundtables with all sorts of business-related groups since taking office. It's something my team and I are going to continue to do. So please come. Tell us your challenges. Tell us where we can do better, how we can clarify guidance or provide technical assistance. If we work together, then I'm confident that when someone looks back at the economic data around the pandemic, they won't simply conclude that Hispanic workers and businesses were the victim of the 2020 economy. They'll see that they were builders of a better one in 2021 and beyond. 
Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Uh, I have to say, wow. Um, first of all, this is perhaps one of the most detailed speeches on the impact of the Latino community and what the Latino community is experiencing during the pandemic times in the American economy. This is an amazing uh, speech that happened earlier earlier during this uh, conference that we're talking about. It happened right after a conversation with President Biden. It happened right in between uh, the conversation with Vice President Kamala Harris. And I think it gives us a very good way to begin to wrap up the evening on our thoughts. Obviously, many more conversations need to be had. I'm sure some of them, if not a lot, a ton of them will happen in digital spaces like this, on Clubhouse, on podcasts. We need to continue this discussion, but immediate thoughts, I'm going to throw it over to Danai. Danai, your thoughts. One, I go fangirl over this speech like you wouldn't believe. Uh, you know, I've listened to, to it so many times, and like I was saying before, just the fact that the recognition is there of what the Latino contribution is, right? And then the 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 um, the promise of what's going to happen because we have been hit disproportionately by this pandemic, and uh, you know we need the help. And so uh, my heart is full just listening to it. I, if I tell you that I listened to it like six times, <laughs> I am not lying. <laughs> I really, really did fangirl yeah. over it. Um, so. You know, my my final take on it is there's so much more to dissect. There's so much more to discuss. Uh, just for example, let's take uh, the PPP loan uh, program and who is eligible, what can we do, uh, how can we get people to know more about it and learn more about it. And so uh, I, I am committed to have the Amigos community really, really delve into these topics. And I invite everybody on this panel to come in and just have some some really deep conversations and just drill down into the actual processes um, and really get our community educated because I agree with Melanie. Uh, you know, we we need to educate ourselves. And for those of us who are educated, we need to funnel that down into our communities. And it's up to us. Here we are. We have, you know, we have yeah. things that we can take action on. And so, uh, you know, my promise is I will do my best to take action and to facilitate those conversations. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for holding this. And I am, I, my heart is full. I am excited and I love everything about this. So thank you, everybody here. And uh, I am Danai and I am Finch. I, I, I'm with you and we will do a lot more of this together than I to be certain, to be certain. My heart is full as well. And I can't thank you and Amber enough for being the first volley on this conversation in terms of bringing this impactful conversation to the Amigos Club and then now to the talk club uh, that happened because of a conversation we had uh, after I had hung up the phone with my good friend Leroy. And that's how these kinds of things happen. That's how we build each other up and we're going to continue to do it. Amber, I can't thank you enough for being uh, really instrumental in putting all of this together. Your thoughts on Secretary Yellen and our conversation this evening. 
Gracias, Hector, and thank you for the opportunity. You know, I'm both um, honored as well as take on a large responsibility when I when I hear this, right? So um, there's a couple of places I zoned in on her remarks. First and foremost, last year we know that there were 400,000 more women who left the workforce than men. Not 400,000, but 400,000 more women than men left the workforce. That is such a powerful number and Latinas were hit the hardest. So when I think about those people that we've heard stories about today, we had Dali on stage, we had Carmen on stage, um, we had a few others who shared that they are either working full-time jobs, trying to help run a business, maybe their spouses have businesses or they have family-run own businesses. I put on my hat to say, how can I help these women? How can I help our community that has been impacted in so many ways, not just from a small business perspective, but from a family income perspective? And so I think that there's so many people in the audience as I scroll down, I've seen Jeffrey, I've seen um, uh, Anna who runs her own business, Jackie, so many of us who kind of come from different walks of life, we need to remember that it's not just the small business owners. Those of us who work for corporations also have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be leaders in our organizations. Carmen was up here. She's an HR leader. I'm an executive at a Fortune 50 company. Um, we need to give hand ups, not handouts, hand ups to people and start moving them up the ranks in our corporations. Only 4% or less of executive positions in Fortune 500 companies and less than 2% of boards of Fortune 500 companies are filled by Latinos. What does that mean? That means that we don't have the decision-making power and we don't have the purse that goes along with being able to enable programs that impact Hispanic-owned or Latino-owned businesses, right? So those of us who are in companies, let's, one, start to see how do we bring our Latinas back into the workforce? How do we bring our Latinos back into the workforce? Two, how do we drive supplier diversity? Yesterday, uh, Brianna shared with us that the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce actually helps pair Latino businesses with corporations. So if you are a company, a business that wants to be a part of a large corporation supplier network, reach out to the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. They have programs that will help pair you up with companies who are looking for diverse suppliers. Number three, if your companies have a ventures group, how are we helping those ventures teams spot up and coming found Latino founded companies so that we can help allocate investment funds to diverse um, Latino founders. And then of course, fourth, let's make sure that we are recruiting top Latino talent into these companies so that they can come in at higher levels with the power, with the purse, with the ability to network, create um, Latino ERG groups. I think Richard, you shared that last night. The U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce also helps um, corporations build out their ERG groups so that we can better serve our communities. So when I hear um, Yellen's uh, remarks, that's exactly where my mind went based on my experience. Amber, thank you so much for your thoughts. So I want to give an opportunity for the Chief of Staff of the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce to, on behalf of the Hispanic Chamber, uh, give his final closing thoughts. I know you speak on behalf of C. Leroy Cavazos, who was with us this evening, on behalf of Bree, uh, who is with us this evening. It is our honor to be here uh, on behalf of our team, on behalf of Leroy as our VP of 
Government and International Affairs, and Brianna Dimas, our VP of Programs and Communications, and Ramiro Cavazos, our CEO, who made a cameo appearance yesterday on the show. He's on Clubhouse, too. Uh, we're just really honored and excited because this is where the rubber uh, meets the road, right? And so when we get to hear firsthand what our Latina and Latino community is doing to get themselves out there to start and grow their businesses, the challenges that they're facing, and most importantly, how we can be helpful as a membership-driven organization to help build the solutions that y'all need at the national, at the state, and at the local level. At the end of the day, that's what we're here to do. So that's why we stick it out. That's why we're here. That's why after our 48 hours of our legislative summit, this is an amazing way to close out. Hector, thank you so much for the invitation to be here and for everything you do. It was amazing to close out with Secretary Yellen's remarks. And I'll just say that, you know, we were really moved by the way, the detail in which she spoke legislative summit she actually went off and did a twitter uh, a thread so go on her twitter i also retweeted it as well just because it has it's packed with so much information but she went on she she went even deeper about the state of latino business and what we need to do as a country to make sure that we have our economic recovery through our latino community so you know we have a lot of work ahead of us uh, i hope we're able to join call again sometime soon especially when we have another event coming up and anything that y'all need, never hesitate to let your USHCC team know how we can be of any help. Uh, my you know, email is rgarcia.ushcc.com. Uh, you can always find our contact information on our website, ushcc.com as well. And uh, with that, I'll just pass it back. Mi gente, we have leadership that is at the table and we can bring our conversations to the White House. We can bring our conversations from Clubhouse to the Senate, from Clubhouse and from this podcast to the House of Representatives, we can have an impact. We are here, united, collaborating, building each other up after 48 hours of grueling work. Here stands Richard, Brianna, Leroy, and all of all of their resources available for all of us. I can't thank you guys enough. That's real leadership. And for me, that, that means a lot. Brianna, tell us a little bit about your final thoughts. I think we were all moved by Secretary Yellen's speech, bar none, in this entire conference. Thank you, Hector. Absolutely. Secretary Yellen just hit the nail on the head. She is speaking to everything that we've been saying, that the uh, the economic recovery of our country is going to be through the Latino community. There's no other way. And we need to know the power that we have, everybody in this room, all of us together. We need to use our voices, speak up, speak out, come together, and, uh, and stay connected. I think that's key for us being able to send you things. We need to be able to find you. We need to have your information. Please keep in touch with the USHCC. Please sign up for the new newsletter ushcc.com on the bottom of the page follow us on social media reach out message us wherever we can help wherever we can plug in especially if we can connect you to your local hispanic chamber in your city in your region that's where the magic happens melanie on this call knows uh, better than any of us you know running a local chamber herself all the the magical connections of of our network and the power of our network but it all starts with you reaching out you getting involved so thank you to everybody for joining us today and thank you to the moderators and Hector for bringing us together. Bree, Richard, I know you have a heart out. Thank you for all your hard work. Thank you for what you're doing on behalf of our community. Thanks for speaking on our behalf to President Joe Biden, to Vice President Kamala Harris. Thanks for bringing to the table Secretary Yellen and the SBA 
With this, we're gonna be moving forward, everybody. And with this, with these tools, we're gonna to be able to begin to invest in our businesses. Let's continue to build each other up. Thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts. And let's go back to our roundtable discussion. Final thoughts, Chef Theo G, your thoughts on today's discussion. Hey, Hector. Um, again, thank you for just having this platform. You always have some of the most interesting speakers um of any of the rooms that i participate in um not taking anything away from these amazing people that host these great rooms um that just allow people to be vulnerable um and passionate about what they do uh but you know just based off of the conversation today you know for a new entrepreneur like me for someone who's doing um you know philanthropic work just trying to raise up the community it's definitely encouraging um it's something that you know everyone's right we we haven't seen this level of response to the latino community um in a really long time and it's it just it motivates me to just you know get to where i want to be that much quicker and just shows uh shows me that i have support when i'm looking for it I reserved the last comment of the evening for someone who represents a community that is making moves right now and certainly knows some of the hardships that we've been through. And uh, in this particular case, we'll be hearing from the perspective of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We've had with us here on this amazing panel, um, the leader of the head of the Pittsburgh Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, Talk about stories, she knows a ton of them that she knows personally of businesses that have gone through hardships. She was an amazing contributor to making this event happen and to bringing some of the big voices that we heard from to the table. And so, Melanie, thank you for what you're doing for our community. And if you're not following Melanie, please do. She's the first one up on this room here. Uh, Melanie, your thoughts on this evening, your thoughts on the USHCC conference and on that speech by Secretary Yellen, which my gosh was off the hook. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words and I I am with you guys when whoever said that um, they watched it over and over again and I like scream when I hear it. You know, there are just so many different things that need to be addressed. You know, this is step one. COVID recovery is step one and there is so much more work to be done and you can really hear in that speech that they're working on the finer points. Um, someone else also brought up um, you know, a few points about women, and I have to say the mentioning of the issue of childcare and mentioning how many more women left the workforce when COVID started. I mean, these numbers are staggering, and I don't know if you know, but Latinas are responsible for 50% of the new jobs created in the United States. When we take 400,000 more women out of the workforce, we are destroying jobs and we are destroying not Latina's future, but we are taking away from the future of our country, which I think is a huge takeaway here. Um, for anyone listening on the podcast who maybe doesn't have as much information, I highly suggest that you take a look at some of the statistics the purchasing power of Latinos and Hispanics is growing far faster than other groups 
We're opening businesses um, at a rate of three to one when compared to all other groups. And there are just so many other amazing numbers out there to show that when you help Latinos grow economically, you are helping our country. So how can we do that? As individuals, as corporations, as nonprofits, no matter who you are, team up and step up. Speak out and advocate for your community. You could volunteer for a nonprofit. Connect your business, connect with resources through funding. Use the knowledge that you have, even if it's just to lend an ear or to give advice where you might have more information. Every little step counts. And when we do those things in a group, it becomes a larger scale that affects, like I said, not only our community, but the whole country at large. So I wanna thank everyone for all the work that you're doing. I certainly see the impact every day in our small in our small businesses, as well as in my own business and organization. So thank you all for being a part of it. And I can't wait to partner with you out there to do more good work. Absolutely. And we will be partnering. I'm signing myself on the dotted line, Melanie, in terms of being an active part of your chamber of commerce, of your community. For a long time, I lived, for over seven years of my life, I lived in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So I love Pennsylvania. And uh, we all have to get involved, no matter what community we're a part of today. We had an amazing discussion that we all loved. It was filled with friendship. It was filled with collaboration. It was filled with all the necessary elements to build back stronger than we ever were prior to this pandemic. So it is time, familia. It is time, mi gente, with the amazing leadership of people like Richard, people like Leroy, people like Bree, people like Melanie, everyone you heard from here today, it's time. It's time to build these discussions. It's never been easier to have discussions like this. We can do it digitally. And in a few short months, once vaccination plans are complete, we'll be able to do it in person. I'm signing myself up on the dotted line. I'm signing up my organization up on the dotted line. You know the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce signed themselves up on the dotted line when after 48 hours of grueling work with no sleep, they came on Clubhouse to, dis to discuss and deconstruct with all of us the reason why this is so important for our community to move forward. So if this speaks to you, if this speaks to who you are, then we need you to follow all of us. We need you to get involved. We need you to start signing up for all of our clubs so that we can, in these clubs, begin to build projects. Let's just not stop at the top. Let's not stay at the talking level. Let's turn it into real, tangible projects that move our communities forward. That's what it's about. That's why we had this conversation today. That's why we had the conversation yesterday. That's why President Biden was willing to get involved. That's why Vice President Kamala Harris was willing to get involved. That's why Secretary Yellen not only gave a moving speech worthy of being President of the United States herself, but also went on Twitter and continued to talk about why this was so important for all of us. There are tools out there. There are resources out there. We all need to start applying. No le tengamos miedo. 
Let's apply for the PPP. Let's apply for the EDIL. Let's go look for the CDFIs. Let's go look for those fintechs. Familia, mi gente, it's the time that we have right now to prep everything up, line everything up, so that in a few short months, the economic recovery begins with us. That's why today was important. That's why I love that you were a part of this. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Let's continue to move each other forward. And please follow everybody out here. Y hasta la próxima. Let's make our days count. Think big. Peace. Eso. Gracias. Bye. 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 Bye.